This is Dan Fagella with Emerge, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. Many of you are aware of our AI Opportunity Landscape Research. That is our proprietary research for finding what's possible and what's working in different sectors. We work across industries. Financial services is big for us, as you can tell by our interview roster. But so is retail and e-commerce. It's an exciting and burgeoning space. Uh, Our research shows a tremendous amount of action in Uh, recommendations and in personalization as well as in the supply chain broadly and there's so much going on there we want to get great perspectives. You've heard from many exciting vendors in the retail space, folks who've raised a hundred million dollars or more to bring AI into retail, but we wanted to also pull in some of our enterprise contacts. This week we bring to you Katya Walsh, PhD. She is the Chief Strategy and AI Officer for Levi Strauss. Levi's It's one of the best-known apparel brands in the world. They are a $5.5 billion in revenue firm, and uh, Katya holds a rather important position in that company after holding a number of high positions in financial services, telecommunications, and other sectors. She speaks to us this week about unlocking the value of predictive. What does it look like to take data, AI, and digital and put them together in a way that actually delivers value, and how do some of the lessons that she's learned in other industries translate into the transformation of retail. We pride ourselves in being able to bring you high-level guests from high-level exciting brands, and I was literally wearing Levi's while I did this interview, so it was all the more exciting to be able to have uh, Katya on. You know, I'm not like necessarily the biggest fashion person in the world, but it's a brand that I respect, and I thought it'd be a great excuse to be able to bring some great insight to you, our listeners. If you're interested in more insight in retail, then be sure to check out our AI and retail cheat sheet. You can go to emerj.com slash R-E-T-1. That's emerj.com slash R-E-T-1, like retail, and then the number one, R-E-T-1. You can download our AI and retail cheat sheet. And in that short PDF brief, you'll not only get a breakdown of some of the key terms at the AI and retail intersection, but also a broad view of some of the key use cases. So if you want a broader palette of use cases to draw from in your imaginings of the future of retail, if you're working with clients or you work in retail, then download that sheet. It's emerj.com slash R-E-T-1. Without further ado, this is Dr. Katya Walsh, the Chief Strategy and AI Officer of Levi Strauss here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Katya, I know you've worked in a great number of industries, and you and I were introduced by one of my favorite mentors, an ex-Forester fella. But of all the things we could talk about, I want to talk retail, and particularly the intersection of AI and retail, and ask you from your vantage point, what kind of applications specifically for you are exciting or are really impactful today in that retail landscape? Well, nice to meet you, Dan, and I am very happy to talk to someone who knows Forrester. I spent a good amount of my career at Forrester Research as an analyst in the heyday of the internet uh, when companies that are now household names were just born. And in terms of applications, that's really ground ourselves a little bit on this Uh, what we're talking about when we talk about our capability. Yes, we talk about AI, but that's impossible without digital. We've been living in an entirely digital world for the last 25 years. And it's digital that makes data big, as whether we love or hate that term is immaterial. But the fact is we have more data than we've ever had before, which is what flows and makes artificial intelligence possible much more so now than in the past. The the reality is AI has been around for many, many years since the 50s uh, of the last century, but it is now a household name for a reason. Because of digital, because of data, we now have AI at our fingertips in any industry, 
in any application and it's AI that in turn goes back to digital and makes it smarter. So it's this magic flywheel of digital data and AI that we are talking about that applies to any industry. And my answer to you in terms of the applications that they are relevant to all industries. It doesn't mean that they don't need to be customized. It doesn't mean that I'm specifically talking about artificial general intelligence, AGI. I'm talking about applications that any business that is considering the implementation of digital data and AI has to include in their framework. And that's what's helped me in the past in various industries, financial services, telecommunications, now retail. One, it's always helpful to start with the consumer. Consumer at the center, the customer at the center. Data is an incredible asset, but it's also an incredible liability. You can do a great deal of good and you can also do damage if you're not careful about protecting privacy, ensuring security, etc. That's why it has always helped me in as a someone who has somehow taken the charge of helping companies transform themselves to always lead with the customer in mind in the center. So the first area of application is about customer centricity, loyalty, personalization. There are a number of applications there. At my current company, for example, we just launched a very powerful loyalty program that one, takes all the information we can now have on our consumers, always with their permissions. It was never possible before. We would know what consumers were buying. We might know their transactions, but that's all we knew. We knew our consumer or customer as a transaction. Now we know them as a full-fledged human being with a profile, with interests, with hobbies, with the sizes that they wear, with the families and friends for whom they buy. And then we applied machine learning on top of that knowledge of the full consumer profile to predict what they will buy in the next year, but more importantly, what kind of personalized benefits we could offer them so that they would be relevant to them. It's not earth shattering, but it immediately generated an incredible rise in in value from our consumers. We pride ourselves in my current company and not just having customers, but having fans. I happen to work in an iconic global brand, Levi Strauss and Company. We call it the original San Francisco startup. It's a brand worn, loved, bought, sold everywhere in the world. And so we talk about fans. What a great way to deepen that fanhood and to provide personalized benefits through our loyalty program. So that's one example of customer centricity and of applying this magic combination of digital data and AI to make a company more customer centric. In other industries, some examples of that, for example, in telecommunications where I worked before my current company, uh, we used AI to provide a predictive, proactive and personalized experience for each of the 500 million customers of that company. Think about it. For each of the 500 million customers of our company, we used AI to provide that individualized experience. One example of that is we were able to predict with a 90% degree certainty, with a 90% certainty, please edit that. One um, example is that we were able to predict with 90% certainty whether a telephone, a mobile phone would stop working in the next four weeks. Why is that important? One. Everyone in the world cannot live without their mobile phones. It Not is anymore. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they depend on that. Two, 
it is a moment of truth and a risk moment for a mobile provider when their customer's phone stopped working. They could go to another provider. And it's incredible how people can not live without their device for five minutes, but have no problems switching the provider of that phone service, the very same totally. company. Totally, no problem. Right? So when we were able to predict whose phones would stop working in the next four weeks, we were actually able to connect proactively with those consumers and let them know that our health check of their device had shown that they had some issues coming up with their phones. And then we would recommend the best devices for that consumer based on their profile and consumers like them, no more than two. It's always important, less is better, less is more. And we were able to retain these customers, keep their service, increase their loyalty, get them better devices, ensure connectivity, and still be that provider of choice for them, which is, yes, personalized communication and customer centricity, but it goes into the other application. I'm going to pause here. I think you have a question. So, yeah, our, our audience is going to be what we could refer to as sort of patently aware that these capabilities are, are somewhat broad. So recommendation that you brought up, our own research with, you know, something like 62% of the venture money poured into pure play e-com AI vendors. And this is maybe eight months ago to the previous 12 months was, was in recommendations, personalization of some kind. So there's a ton there, but of course the same things apply elsewise. So, you know, this stuff mixes and matches. I think what's, what's interesting on kind of, you know, your experience crossing over industries is you're able to see, Hey, the way that we use these predictive factors to calibrate churn might be a way we can use these predictive factors to calibrate what might be an appropriate offer that there's sort of lessons that can translate. It sounds like is is something that you're, you're kind of doubling down on. And I think what's important if we're talking about an application, like you're, you're mentioning right now, kind of the loyalty program, every e-commerce player in the world is really curious about how this stuff is shaking out is sort of, you know, what's important to getting that stuff up and up and running. Cause I think a lot of firms are not, are not quite there yet, whether they're a big brand like Levi's or not. I think a lot of folks are, you know, wrestling to get themselves to that place. So when you, when you think about recommendations for what I, I presume here, we're talking about customer lifetime value. We mentioned loyalty to some degree monetarily. We're talking about CLV, maybe some kind of referral metric, but I don't know if we can do that with jeans. What's important for putting something like that together? You've had to do it in different spaces, but we're talking retail here. Man, what matters for that use case that we're wrestling with? Because I know that's a big one. Sure. So you're absolutely right. It helps to have had this experience in different industries. And it's amazing how you can take uh, what you've done in one industry and apply it to another with different customizations. Let me give you one other example. So before telecommunications, I was in financial services in a diversified financial services company, a big part of which was life insurance. Life insurance, as you know, is actually the original data science company. The reason that there's so much information required, including back when I was getting my first life insurance policy, a nurse had to come to my house to to take blood. That was all getting data. And the old forms that we used were the mountain of, you know, the old phone books. That's how much paperwork was required. That was a way to get data in order for the company to make an informed underwriting decision, whether you are good risk or bad risk. So part of that decision was um, really about predicting longevity. A life insurance company wants to make sure that it underwrites people who will live a long life. It's exactly that concept that I took with me 
to telecommunications to predict the longevity of, of a technology of a phone, just like we have predicted longevity for human beings. So that's just one anecdote of how transversal this kind of capability is. In terms of your question about how do you get started? So one of the reasons that I'm excited about this combination of digital data and AI is, is that it is a capability that is always putting the customer at the center and is ultimately in service of the strategy of the company. Yes, it's wonderful. Yes, I'm very excited about it. My entire career has been built on that. Yes, they, the world is crazy about AI today. Wonderful. But at the end of the day, if it does not serve a business purpose, if it does not help the customer, it's meaningless. It's research and development, which is intellectually challenging, but it has to be more than that. And how one gets started in the, in the case of my experience, I always start with asking the question, why? So in a case like the financial services company that I just mentioned, it had a wonderful history of having used data for many years as a pioneer in using data for making decisions. And somehow it had stopped doing that along the way. It had been around for 140 years. So when I got there, having come from what I call the original fintech company, Fidelity Investments, which is a technology company in the financial services space. So when I got to that other company, the question why that I asked was, why is it that we are not using data? And that's really what got us on that path of making sure that we harnessed it, that we aggregated data across various business units, that we were able to see the opportunities that the company was missing, and more importantly, the poor at the time customer experience that it was inadvertently providing. As a consumer at the time, you had to go to 400 different websites. I am not joking, that was the, the number. And now, as a result of all the work, including digital data and AI, we are able to provide, a, the company is able to provide a much more streamlined experience. You go with your problem or a challenge and you're directed immediately to a part of the business, regardless of what that particular business unit is that can solve your problem. So that's one example. Another example in the telecommunications company that I mentioned earlier, it is Vodafone Group, which is the largest mobile carrier in the world after China Mobile. It operates in 25 countries. It has 500 million customers. The question I asked there is similar to what I just alluded to, which was, why is it that people cannot live for five minutes without their phone, but so easily switch the companies, the providers that make this phone come to life? So the mission then became to make the company as indispensable to its customers' lives as the devices that it connected for them. So I hope this answers your question, but it starts with a why. And then you put in place the building blocks, the people, the processes, the data, the technology, all of them at the same time. And there are specific tricks for how to do that and what, what to focus on and what is less important and how to phase it. But I hope that begins to shed some light. Yeah, I'm seeing where you're, where you're headed here. So yeah, I think that, that is, that's a real wrestling match, right, with the, the telecom folks because to get beyond that, that utility kind of swap outable status is, is tough. I think very few, I don't know if I have the same, well, I, honestly, I forget, I think I use Verizon. I'm like 90% sure I don't really know, but uh, I don't know if they'll have as much loyalty as, you know, my Levi jeans, for example, or something like that, right? I think different brands have different kinds of appeal, but it sounds like maybe a take-home lesson if we're talking to, to retail listeners that are tuned in or people in other spaces is what's the bigger, what's the bigger business priority and bigger business opportunity 
And then where can data potentially make an unlock there? So telecom, you mentioned some amount of kind of churn, stickiness, loyalty was, was really critical there. It sounds like you asked probably a similar question at Levi's around customer lifetime value. So we, we start with sort of what's the big opportunity or the big problem and then kind of back in where does digital data and AI maybe allow us to inform and optimize that target spot. Kind of a, a broad bit of advice, but that's kind of what I'm taking away. Is that is that a, a, per, a correct assessment here? Yes, your assessment is correct, but it's more than that. So I just thought one area where this capability is very powerful. First of all, it's not just about informing decisions. That is actually passe. Decision support is a long past term. We are now in a space where we can actually drive desired outcomes through this capability. They better be good desired outcomes, which is where the the vision comes to mind. So one outcome that a company uh, that's worth its brand uh, should desire is customer loyalty and customer centricity, which is what just described. But then another big area that's very applicable to retail as well as other industries is around internal efficiencies. And that is not to be underestimated. Uh, it is really important of the three examples within that. One very simple example is automation. Anything that can be automated should be automated. At Levi's, for example, in the past year, just like anyone else in this industry, we had to close stores. We had to make sure that when we reopened stores, they would be safe for employees, for consumers. But at the same time, just because you could open a store didn't mean that it was financially viable to keep it open. If there were no people coming in, if the requirements to keep a store clean was so much higher that you needed to invest more in labor costs. So there was one person in retail operations who had to spend 20 hours a week gathering data, wrangling all kinds of Excel spreadsheets to figure that out. We automated that. It changed his life. He can now focus his time on much more valuable things. Small examples, but really powerful in terms of how important this capability is. A second example that is much more powerful is around optimization. This is where companies, again, like Levi's, uh, with a strong brand, have an opportunity to use AI to determine the optimal price that a consumer would pay. If you were to go back to May of 2020, stores in Europe closed, time to reopen them, massive inventories piled up, the logical conclusion and uh, course of action for many of our competitors was that companies had to discount. How do you get rid of inventory? You discount en masse, not Levi's. We had a very sophisticated and accurate machine learning uh, model that actually told us which specific items, which individual product, jacket, jeans, trousers, accessories, at what price they would sell in which store to which consumer, at what point in time. And we only discounted those items that had to be discounted in order to be purchased and moved on. For the rest of the device products, we were able to maintain the same price. And as a result, we had one of the healthiest margins that the company has had in years. And one further example of that is during the Chinese double 11, which is the singles day, highly promotional period, everyone discounts like crazy at that time. We actually, for the first time in the history of that event, raised prices during that event for 49 products based on AI. Because of the brand, you have to have the brand, but we also had AI in action 
to help us realize what had to be sold, would be sold at what price. A small example, you don't need any heavy implementation. It goes back to your question about how you get going. It's literally free money, but you have to have the combination of brand, AI, and the courage to implement it. And then a third example within, within internal efficiencies is completely changing the way that your current business is operating. So it's still the same business. It's manufacturing genes and planning how to sell them. But how you do that can be really transformed. So as we speak, we are going through a massive transformation in how we do our merchandise, planning and inventory management, infusing AI throughout that practice and process. It used to be heavily manual, cumbersome, lots of Excel spreadsheets, various different data sources, always starting from scratch, taking a long time. Now we have this data ocean repository of various data sources, including a lot of external data, such as weather, epidemiological models, stock market predictions, consumer trends, social media postings, etc., that we aggregate together with all of our internal data and we create predictions for what item will sell when, so that when we produce the next item, the next jeans, the next jacket, we know what will sell. So there is no waste, it's closer to the consumer, it's more profitable, and it's more sustainable. Well, I guess the goal is for you to know, right? I mean, I, I think if you were right 100% of the time, you probably wouldn't have a job, you'd just be in the stock market, if I presume correctly. And I'd be catching you live from your jet or something like that. But I think, I think what you're getting at is that you can get more granular than you could without AI. And, but I think part of the willingness, and, and for the audience's clarity, I think it's important to say, part of the willingness to, to work towards these aims that, that you're stating, which really aren't iron certainty even close, but they're, they have the potential of being astronomically better and more efficient than what we're doing today, is the willingness to work on them in a way where maybe they're not going to be right the first time we, we take a crack at it. To be able to strive to the efficiencies that a really mature company gets to. And I take it maybe with supply chain or with recommendations, you guys have had some time to, to iterate and experiment. There's probably, you know, a willingness to have a one or two bumps or scrapes, you know, as we move towards that bigger maturity. What's the importance of an understanding of kind of what we're signing ourselves up for? If we want to get all the way to the vision you're talking about, and it's compelling as heck, and you guys are, you know, far along and doing great stuff. What do leaders have to know about kind of buckling up and getting all the way there? You know, what are they going to have to be willing to kind of push through in addition to the cultural barriers to make it to a place where those smarter decisions can happen? Yeah, so I've had this model, think big. This is transformative for a company, and I'm not just saying it because everyone is talking about digital transformation. We've lived in this transformative world way before COVID. COVID just made it everyone's day's life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is a transformative capability. There are many things to know, but one motto is think big, have that big, hairy, audacious goal. You're going to disrupt the industry. In our case at the moment, it's why do you have to first manufacture and then sell? We are now living in a time when you can first sell and then manufacture. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay, yeah. It's not happened yet, but it can. So this is just one example, but think big, Start small, scale fast. And the start small is very important. Start small does not mean think small. Start small means focus. Make sure that you're committed to implementing what you do. And in the case of working in a business rather than a research and development facility, 
absolutely be aligned that what you're going to create will actually be implemented. Otherwise, there will not be a momentum and it will die on the vine. So that's something that's really important. The other learning is it's important to have a lot of resilience, uh, both for the leadership of the company to be stubborn enough to persevere and say, this is important for us. We cannot let it go. Uh, it is part of our present, not just future, but part of our present as well as our future. And at the same time, to have that resilience in the team that is driving this change, because it's not easy. We're talking about putting new people in new boxes in established companies. It's okay. It's not easy to be a new person in an established box, but it's nearly impossible to be a new person in a new box. People don't know what to do with it. They don't know where to put the box. They don't know what the box is, what's in, what's out. It would it encroach on their own boxes. And for a, a capability around digital data and AI, the fact is it goes across all the boxes in the company. It enables, strengthens, transforms HR, finance, commercial, marketing, product, operations, everything. And so it's really imperative for a company to understand that and for those of us who are leading that transformation to educate and mobilize and have that resilience to persevere. I, I couldn't emphasize more the importance of education. I think you've, you've learned that the hard way in so many industries. And uh, I think the idea of starting with thinking big is, is one that should be able to translate to literally everybody listening. And you're clearly somebody that does that, Katya. And I sincerely appreciate you being able to join us here on the podcast. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Dan. Look forward to the next episodes. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Katia. It's great to get some multi-billion dollar enterprise perspective on the future of retail, a really exciting space and a space I know we'll have a lot more interviews and research on in the future. And a big thank you to you, the listener, for listening all the way through on this episode. If you're not already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you like to download your audio media. And be sure to also be subscribed to our newsletter, where not only will you get updated with all of our latest interviews across our different podcasts, we also receive all of our latest articles and infographics as well. If you want to stay ahead of the curve for AI trends and use cases in business, then go to emerj.com. Up at the top right is a little button for subscribe. Enter your email there and you'll receive our newsletter twice a week. You can opt out at any time, uh, but there's a lot of value packed into those twice a week. And I think you'll enjoy it if you've enjoyed this episode. So thanks again for listening in. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>